Here's to the finest crew in Starling. Captain James T. Kirk of the Assistant Enterprise. Captain James T. Kirk of the Assistant Enterprise. James T. Kirk. Don't, don't, don't you know what you got? Admiral. 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 James T. Hello and welcome to the Greatest Generation slash the Flop House, <laughs> and it's a special uh, donor bonus team up episode that nobody thought was possible or necessary. <laughs> yeah, no, they were. <laughs> this we were wrong to think to do this. Yeah, much like the film we're here to discuss. <laughs> oh yeah, should we introduce ourselves to anyone who, for some reason, does not know who we are already? Listening a- this, absolutely. My name's Ben Harrison. I'm one half of the Greatest Generation. I'm Adam Pranica, the better half of the Greatest Generation. <laughs> I'm True. Elliot Kalin, the most irritating third of the Flophouse. <laughs> I'm Dan McCoy, the guy who's going to get irritated over the course of this show. And I'm Stuart <laughs> Wellington, like just a chilled out, cool dude who's happy to be along for the ride. Fun. <laughs> And uh, for anyone listening, The Flophouse is a podcast where we watch a bad movie and then we talk about it. And we talk about Star Trek on our show, so we, we're talking about the worst Star Trek movie today. <laughs> or I guess that's probably debatable. We should probably prep our listeners who are already donors to the network and decide for whatever yes. reason. I have never listened to either respective show. Maybe if I try <laughs> them both at once, I will get that out of my system. But this movie today, it's Star Trek V. The Final Frontier? Yes. Is that the subtitle? Yeah. Now, this comes after Star Trek IV, The Voyage Home, okay. right? Yeah. Correct. Yeah. And when my wife first pitched this idea, she said, there's got to have been a bad Star Trek movie. And Adam and Ben, in unison, shouted, Star Trek V, The Final Frontier, to the delight <laughs> of the entire restaurant we were having lunch yeah. in. <laughs> so why did you pick this one, guys? Well, this one's kind of famous for being terrible because it was i mean the final frontier like it's it it, right in the name like this was going to be the last movie with this cast and uh and then it was bad so they made another one so that it didn't leave a bad taste in everyone's mouth and this was all and william shatner directed this right (laughs) yeah he did if you're gonna promise a movie movie going audience that you're gonna see the enterprise for the last time you definitely want to see it like in shambles (laughs) Well, it's so it's weird because everything in this movie seems like it's a comment on the Star Trek franchise. Yeah, where they're like the Enterprise is in pieces and they've got to put it back together. And there are many scenes of Spock and Bones and Carrick being like, "Why are we friends? Why do we spend time together?" <laughs> and and also uh, like Uhura and Scotty seem to be in a relationship. So it's like so right. it's like they're just it's that last season of a show where they're like. Uh, sure, Chandler and Monica are married now. Like, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> like, these characters have never been interested in each other, but we got to pair them up somehow. Chekhov and Sulu are kind of R2-D2 and C-3PO, but not really, but we're just not sure what to do with them. <laughs> or also in a relationship, possibly. Yeah, <laughs> I, you talk about taking the, uh, the bad taste out of your mouth, uh, making another movie. I literally actually watched Star Trek VI after watching Star Trek V just because oh, I was had so to feel down great. about Star Trek V. <laughs> so it's like, uh, I need to remember... How I how I love these characters, and then afterwards you're like, "Fuck it, throw on generations," and yeah, your, man. your TV's like, "Cannot <laughs> do I that." Got, then I got sad again. <laughs> that would, but then you had a big pickup with insurrection. Dan's always or dogging nemesis. on generations. What the fuck? 
no first contact was the second uh, new next generation one you can never feel comfortable as a star trek fan going to the movies it's so here's here's the thing i wanted to say about star trek i am i'm a wars i'm a wars boy i'm not a trek boy and so star trek Mm -hmm. is something that i kind of don't know as much about as i feel like i should i've had less i've seen episodes of the original show episode i've seen episodes of each of the series sure and i've seen some of the movies but not all of them and it's i have as much experience with star trek in some ways as i have with like harry potter where it's like i'll dip in but every time i see star trek it's like it feels a little bit like going to your your poorer friend's house for a holiday and you're like oh this is what you have for thanksgiving we usually have like four side dishes and you have a side dish and so like (laughs) your side dish is cheetos (laughs) the star trek just feels so much cheaper and for a for a a boy like me raised on star wars which is like a movie like those are epic movies it's every star trek movie that i see it's kind of like oh okay like it feels like a canadian thing i can't that's that's the only way i can put it Star Trek is Canadian Star Wars. That's great. (laughs) Uh, And also, like, I feel like one of the criteria when you approach a Star Trek movie is, could this have just been an episode of a TV show? Yes. Right? Yeah. Like, does this, did this merit a feature film situation? Yeah. And I think in this one, the answer is obviously no, but we'll get to it. But the weird thing is, like, I, I feel like... I feel like real, like, quote unquote, like, real Trekkies, like, real, like, fans of Star Trek, they want the movies to feel like an episode of the TV show. Like, oh. if it's yes, not they the that, they're like, oh, Star Trek's supposed to be about ideas, and this is just an action movie. Like, that's. The- <laughs> I consider myself a real Star Trek fan. I didn't want this or anything anything like it. Yeah. Okay. It's like, sir, you're complaining this is an action movie. You actually accidentally walked into the raid and not Star Trek. <laughs> I agree though, like there's a, a real tension there and like if it's an if it's like an episode, it doesn't feel like it's a good movie because episodes, you know, like they wrap things up at the end and then, you know, you you move on. Like it's like an episode of television, especially early Trek, like the conditions at the beginning and the conditions at the end are roughly the same. But yeah. in, the, in, a, in a film, everything is supposed to change. The purpose of a TV show often is to have a status quo and return to that status quo. Yeah. And yeah, with the mo- it feels weird for this movie to end essentially where it started. <laughs> and, be, and everyone's like, oh, OK. Yeah, we're just us. Our friendships okay. are valuable. <laughs> it's like, it's weird when I'm watching a science fiction adventure movie and I'm like, I kind of responded more to the scenes where they were camping. <laughs> There's a faction of Star Trek fans out there who say that this entire film exists in a dream. Yeah. And oh, that's totally. like the way to forgive it. Like it's the bookend the- format mm. of the film, uh, mm. like makes that theory possible. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. Interesting. Mm. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> That's not something that you prescribe to? Yeah, that's just what I was telling Stuart. Looking at the movie and looking at the IMDb reviews, I think every review that is titled, it holds up or it's better than I remember, <laughs> are people who probably assumed it was all a dream. Writes IMDb account A Pranica. <laughs> well, I know it's mixing original series and, and, and next generation, but you want Q to show up at the end and just do Puck's monologue from the end of Midsummer Night's Dream. <laughs> it's like, if you didn't like this Star Trek episode, I guess you dreamed it. <laughs> like, you fell asleep in the theater. James T. Kirk of the Should we talk about what actually happens in this yeah, movie? Yeah, yeah. We've get danced into the around plot. it enough. 
So I I totally rem- misremembered that the beginning of this movie was just Kurt climbing El Capitan, and I thought that it was uh, the thing that directly inspired Mission Impossible 2, but there is actually a, a, a set piece before that. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, you got a fucking dust devil coming out of the out of the out of the, de- the desert. I was shocked that we found Voldemort just digging holes out there in the middle of the desert. <laughs> so we're on Nimbus Three, yeah, in the neutral zone. It's the planet of galactic peace, galactic peace, which of course means that it is like a piece of crap. Like right. it's just the worst planet in the history of the world, and. I, I described that guy as a weird-toothed dirt digger. <laughs> I thought he had no teeth, and then I realized that his teeth are just in the shape of gums. Yeah. yeah. Because as Gene Roddenberry demanded, all aliens can only be different in the way their brows or teeth are designed. <laughs> Does that mean he's an alien? I think he is an alien, right? Yeah. Or is he just like a medieval peasant? I couldn't quite figure it out. He's a space peasant, but I think he is also an alien. <laughs> What's he digging for? <laughs> Later on, they show Bones' dying father in old man makeup, and I'm like, is that an old man, or is he just an alien? Because with Star Trek, sometimes you can't tell. (laughs) (laughs) They're aliens that that look old to human eyes, but... Maybe he's just like a wrinkle puss. (laughs) Uh, McCoy is in the first episode of TNG and they put him in super old man makeup for that because the idea is in the future people live to like 130 and that's like relatively normal but it's just the most atrocious (laughs) old man makeup that has ever been done in Mm -hmm. film or television. I know a little thing called Guy Pearce in Prometheus. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, fair enough. (laughs) Uh, so, So there's this weird tooth dirt digger and a prophet on horseback comes by and he says... You have pain in you. Let me take it from you. And kind of mentally takes his pain. And the guy says, oh, you're wonderful. What what do I need to do? He goes, join me on my quest to go into outer space. And then he laughs and laughs because it's revealed that he's a Vulcan. And as someone who is not a real Star Trek guy, I was like, I don't understand. <laughs> like, why am I supposed to care that his ears are slightly pointier? So was this supposed to be a shock that this guy is a Vulcan? I mean, I've never heard of a Vulcan carrying a, caring about somebody's trauma, you know? Oh, fair. Fair point. Okay. Yeah. I don't think that this scene makes sense for for me either, and I care a lot about Vulcans. <laughs> Can we, just off the front here, be like, is this a power that Vulcans have? Like, a, like this is not something that has been established, right? That, like, Vulcans can just take away people's pain? Like, where does this guy get this thing? What they don't address, and I think this was in a scene that was cut, is that Cybok actually has a master's degree in psychology. Oh, so it's just therapy. Yeah, yeah. That's all that it is. Which makes him in direct opposition <laughs> to the Church of Scientology. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's why Fit Fraser Crane is so powerful. <laughs> <laughs> well, you ever noticed Fraser's ears? Little pointy. We cut to Yosemite National Park, most beautiful place on Earth. Captain Kirk free climbing El Capitan <laughs> during a very long credit sequence. Is it this is supposed to be funny, right? The idea that William Shatner is free climbing El Capitan? Or are we supposed to be like, what a what a cool dude? The thing that's funny to me is the idea that the jester as a look has been popularized <laughs> yeah, among the mountaineering that, that community. He's got like these kind of balloon pants and yeah. curly shoes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now, Dan, do you have something to say about this this portrait of manhood? Well, I just I remember seeing this movie as a child and not realizing how absurd Dan is being punished. No, I just I just remember <laughs> not realizing how absurd it is that you know like what like 50 something year old William Shatner is free climbing a mountain. 
And it's great because later on in the movie, anytime the rest of the cast is expected to do anything with any kind of urgency, they basically just walk from one place to another place. <laughs> They're like, it's, oh it's no, like, there's a look, missile coming. Okay, hold on. Roll out of here. Chair. It's like, they, we saw him climb a mountain. From now on, just assume he's virile. Come on. But if 50-something Tom Cruise was free climbing a mountain, yeah. Yeah. yeah, no pro- of course, I know he can do it. But Tom Cruise changed what 50 means, and Shatner did not. No, like, that's true. Uh, we, we've been touring a show all year about Star Trek Two, which the whole theme of the film is about uh, Kirk feeling super old and past his prime <laughs> and like he, you know, can't can't do the things he used to do. So it's pretty wild to see this movie open this way. I would love to see a commercial where it's Kirk is like hitting on a green lady and she spurns him and then it's like trouble with low T. <laughs> <laughs> Cut to them in adjoining separate bathtubs. <laughs> Space tubs, yeah, they're yeah. hovering, yeah. No, it's a Star Wars thing. I'm sorry. They would do that in Star Trek. So then Kurt slips and falls, and he falls for what feels like, I don't know, 20 minutes of the movie? <laughs> <laughs> well, he falls because Spock has shown up and scared him in hover boots. Yeah. Uh-huh. Spock is just wearing rocket boots flying around. And Spock has enough time to slowly turn around and rocket after him. <laughs> There's a couple of shots in the fall where you can literally see the cables on <laughs> Kirk, like when they dangled him in front of a green screen and just said, like, flail, flail your arms, and they couldn't, for some reason, mat out the wire. I had, I had enough time to check my check IMDb and double check that, that, that they didn't actually throw William Shatner off of that cliff, and then I stopped checking my phone, and he was still falling. <laughs> <laughs> it's a tall mountain. That's why people free climb it. El Capitan. It's huge. It's beautiful. Uh, Spock catches him at the last minute. Cut two. Back to Nimbus three and Parad the the not aptly named Paradise City. No <laughs> green grass. No pretty girls. <laughs> Nothing. Yeah. Uh, it's it's kind of like the Mos Eisley of. Uh, it's a very cut rate Mos Eisley. Yeah. Where a three-breasted cat lady stripper is dancing in kind of an alcove mm-hmm. in a bar and there's pool tables that are like half full of milk and i don't know how you're supposed to play this game like please tell me if this was star wars there'd be an entire book about that game right. so. <laughs> and it's on a desert like why are they playing pool on a water table that's crazy yeah oh good point, like good point. Oh, maybe that's like this this is a really fancy bar so it's like just profligate use of of resources kind of uh, situation that could be the case and uh there's a meeting between representatives of the Federation, there's a Klingon and a Romulan. The Federation envoy is David Warner in perhaps yeah. the greatest waste of David Warner <laughs> in the history of film. I was like, David Warner's in this? Awesome. He's going to be the bad guy. He's going to have a cool speech. He's barely in it. Yeah. He does almost nothing. He uh-huh. kind of stands in the background in a few scenes. Yep. He showed up, grabbed his paycheck, wandered off to the space bank. <laughs> this is a guy in the Ballad of Cable Hogue, the Sam Peckinpah movie. David Warner has a whole subplot. He's not even the title character. Here, <laughs> He's got to be, he's the biggest non-Star Trek star in the movie. And it's like, it reminds me of Tim Heidecker in Bridesmaids, where he has no lines on screen. And you're just like, (laughs) did they know he was there when they shot the movie? Like, did they know they had David Warner in this movie? Maybe David Warner was like... I don't really want to act that much, but if I could smoke, that would be cool. <laughs> they put they put David Warner in the movie so every guy in the movie theater would turn to his date and be like, that's David Warner. <laughs> <laughs> One of the worst Christmas songs is Do They Know It's Christmas? And that idea comes to mind. Do they know it's David Warner? 
And so we learned Nimbus 3 was supposed to be a cooperative colony planet to show that the Federation and Romulans and Klingons could live together. But it was such a crappy planet that, like, nobody wants to be there. And then settlers armed with sticks, led by Cybok, the Vulcan prophet, they just overrun Paradise City and take the envoys prisoner. Yeah. Well, this is uh, this was, you know, Paradise City's fault for banning all weapons because the, the bad people outside the walls had the weapons. And uh, no good guys with a gun inside, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it takes a good guy with a stick to stop a bad guy with a stick. <laughs> or a table, uh, a pool table full of water, as we'll later find out. <laughs> they could have turned that. I mean, that does become a deadly weapon later later on in the uh-huh. movie. Uh, so we get, we get to the Enterprise. It's new. It doesn't work. Or is it the old one and it's in repair? I couldn't tell if it was new and not finished or old and in disrepair. It's like a new Enterprise A, right? So at the end of the Whales movie is four, right? Yeah, yeah. but they don't have the Enterprise in the Whales movie. It's it's uh, it's the bounty. Prey. They steal a yeah they steal a Klingon bird of prey. Yeah, because, so this is fresh off the production line, then, right? Yeah. So okay. They, so they blow up a bunch of Klingons that board that uh, that are like t- attempting to board and take over the Enterprise in Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock, and then they, there's a an entire movie where there's no Enterprise in it, which. Uh, Pretty pretty tough to take for Adam. Adam, Adam doesn't like Star Trek Four for that reason. Yeah. That reason but it's got the it's got the single greatest character in all Star Trek movies, the punk on the bus. Yeah. Right. The best character ever in Star Trek. Is <laughs> yeah. uh, this the most popular table at the convention? Who's <laughs> listening to heavy metal, by the way? I mean, lines blur, dude. It's like crossover type hardcore music, man. Yeah, I guess. I mean, <laughs> there's a. Uh, I will just say, to anyone listening, there's a great book called Destroy All Movies, uh, the guide to punks on film, and they have an interview with that guy. And it's the mo- it's the most interesting interview about Star Trek I've ever read. <laughs> Wasn't he like the music director and he made that he song? He wrote that song. Yeah. yeah, that was his song too. So the, he is he is a double threat. He's a punk on a bus and a, and he writes music. <laughs> and I guess enough of a threat to Spock that Spock what kills him. <laughs> I think he I think he knocks him out. He and uh, and we do see a Vulcan neck pinch performed on a horse in this. Movie, oh yeah, that's right. We'll get to that. Really fun. So on the Enterprise, Scotty's trying to get it up to code. <laughs> the inspector's coming by, yeah. and Uhura are they? So are they? Is it? So the implications that Uhura and Scotty are in a relationship at this point. It sure right? seems that way. It is only implied though. Yeah, like, she caresses his face a lot and makes sure he's eating. What are they? Eating? like fucking fiddle faddle or something what's going on there <laughs> yeah this, she brings like like a what's that popcorn that you cook on a stove top oh jiffy uh, jiffy, 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 pop, like yeah. jiffy pop bag she's like i brought dinner and then caresses his face and it's like are you his caretaker Uhura <laughs> treats him like a child and he acts like a child throughout the film i think uh-huh. he's He's had a head injury, and like, was there a head injury in Star Trek Four? I mean, there is that, in this one. He walks into a girder yeah, and yeah. falls down. The thing people love about Star Trek is the physical comedy. That's the most angry-making fucking joke. Oh, so Dan, you didn't you didn't like that no, joke that, where he like, says, that, "I know this place like the back of my hand," yeah. then bangs his head. <laughs> that is the most. Like that's the joke that turns them all into idiots. Like <laughs> that's the joke. Is like, well, we've left the world of like competent Starfleet uh, like people, and we've this is just like a, a ship of fools running through the world. I think that this early scene where Scotty is trying to make heads and tails of an IKEA. Uh, instruction sheet and can't figure it out is uh, is also pretty. I mean, bad. that was the big contrast between watching Star Trek Six right after that. I was just like, oh, everyone, whatever gas leak has <laughs> gone over the Enterprise has been fixed. Like people are back to normal now. James T. Cut. 
Sulu and Chekhov, they get called back into... Shore leaves over. They've got to join. They pretend that there's too much wind on the line. They can't hear. <laughs> that. But meanwhile... Yeah, because Sulu's a navigator, and it would be embarrassing for him to get lost. That's why... Spock and Kirk and McCoy, they get to have a whole night of eating beans and whiskey together. Yeah, I didn't understand that. Like, Chekhov and Sulu have to have to knock it off at, like, noon, and then... The top brass get a full another night, yeah. and almost. And Kirk tells them he knows that he wasn't going to die in Al Capitan because he knows he'll die alone, which is a weird thing to say. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's fucking Cerebus all of a sudden. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he's gonna. He he knows that Dave Sim has has him marked down for three hundred issues. The Captain Kirk comic, uh, and then uh, Spock says, "Like I have some marshmallows here." He keeps calling marshmallows marshmallows, oh, and man, it's like I love that you know shit. he read about this. How did he get that name wrong? It's like it's another th- like the Scotty joke. It's like here's a character who is known for his intelligence. We're gonna make him an idiot. Yeah, he also, also has like a device with like three hundred buttons on it that extrudes one marshmallow. <laughs> you mean a marshmallow? It's okay. Yeah, marshmallow. It looks like a real, like, Ron Popeil single-use kitchen device. Like, that's all it does. The, the device slowly dilates and pushes out a perfectly cylindrical marshmallow. Extrudes, much like my bottom does marsh- with poops. <laughs> the device makes it sound like this. Pushes out a marshmallow. He was up late. He saw the commercial. He said it would be illogical for me not to buy this. Uh, they teach Scott Spock. I mean, three easy payments of nineteen ninety nine. You'd be a fool not to. <laughs> and they they teach Spock how to sing "Row, Row, Row Your Boat" in a round, which yeah. is not. He I know about. love uh, the fact that they're like, you know, going around saying names of possible songs they could sing, either possible uh, public domain songs or made up space songs. <laughs> And Kirk is like, row, row, row your boat. I love row, row, row your boat. Like Nobody <laughs> loves row, row, row your boat. I, f- I find it to be a, a genuinely beautiful song, Dan. I don't know. Just for the life is but a dream message, which the movie takes, as you guys were saying, is it becomes the theme of the movie is life is but a dream, which does not have anything to do with what happens in the movie. But, but uh I understand that, but he's also, it's also like, let's sing a song where each of us has to start it at different points. Spock, you're a beginner. Get used to it. Like, you're going to have to figure out where to start this song. McCoy yeah. takes this in a much higher register than I was expecting. Yeah. Like, he goes really high with it. And then, and then Kirk is obligated to join him yeah. that high. Yeah. It's not flattering. <laughs> also true. not flattering, Spock's eyebrows, which look like Latoya jackson oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> They look very bad. (laughs) Yeah, it's heavy makeup on those eyebrows in this movie. Yeah, yeah, like maybe soft lighting next time, dude. Learn from the early seasons of RuPaul's Drag Race. (laughs) I've got to assume that Kirk, that Kirk, William Shatner was like, Nimoy thinks he can direct a Star Trek movie. I'm going to make him look like an idiot in this movie. And I direct a Star Trek movie. So we got some Klingons. They're on a bird of prey ship. They find an old, is it the Voyager probe? The one that Carl Sagan be, yeah. had to do with, and it has that carving. It has that picture of man and woman with no clothes on. Is it? Are there two Voyager probes? I think there were. So it's the image that gives this film the PG thirteen rating. The nudity that, of that, this the, scene. That new drawing. I'm blowing it up. It's like, like the opening of the movie Triple X, where a James Bond style uh, secret agent gets killed by the bad guy, and you're like, "Whoa, this is not your daddy's secret agent movie." Yeah, so they're like, here, it's not your daddy's space program. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of the first scenes that really introduces, like, this schizophrenic special effects work where, like, this scene looks very Paul Verhoeven, Robocop, Ed 209 oh, yeah. yeah, there's a lot of stop motion and, and stuff. And then half of the rest of the effects are just awful. 
<laughs> yeah, no, this scene looks, it doesn't look necessarily believable, but it looks really cool. Right. Like, the effects look cool. And if they were consistent in one direction or another, I think that would be okay. When Wes Anderson makes his Star Trek movie, this is what the effects are going to look like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, okay, or Stuart so, Gordon. I mean, it's very much like robot jocks. If only, yeah, the, yeah, that's if, right. if only the Cleon Bird of Prey extended like a chainsaw dick to attack the Enterprise. <laughs> <laughs> so the Klingons, they find out the envoys were taken captive on Nimbus 3. They go, oh, a Federation ship is going to show up. We'd love to blow up one of those. <laughs> and the thing that I love about the Klingons is that their ships always, these are spaceships. They yeah. travel through space. They look so filthy on the inside. <laughs> like, you think there's, like, an ankle-deep water over it. Like, it, you imagine this is what the back kitchen of, like, any takeout restaurant looks like. Yeah. Like, just, like, messy and wet everywhere. It looks yeah. like it would have mosquitoes on it. Yeah. yeah when, the, when you board this ship, there's a C in the window on the... <laughs> 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 you it could just to, mean when, they have a sous vide machine in the back. <laughs> you got, when you use the the toilet on this on this bird of prey, you want to put down two layers of toilet paper on the seat. Let's just say that <laughs> they did not clean this place. Uh, and they're just flying around looking for targets of opportunity, and they're excited that a Federation vessel will get called to Nimbus Three because of this abduction situation. And the the Nimbus the the Federation vessel that's going to call it's the Enterprise. Of course, our heroes have to cut short the vacation, and Spock is like, oh, he recognizes that the hostage taker is a legendary Vulcan who rejected logic. But it seems like he knows more than he's saying. Yeah, they what they watched like a glitched out hostage video, and for this era, this. The glitches in this video were actually like really impressive to me. Like that they did like digital glitches because so much of like beat up video effects in films of this era, they do like analog, like oh, like the, the video the, toaster spinning woman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like transition. The, the tracking needs to be adjusted on the VHS, and uh, I liked that it was like pixely and and you know jacked up in a way that feels a little bit more forward-looking. I mean, I hate to break it to you. I think they just used the second unit camera that was provided by the studio. But uh, it's no... The GVX 100. <laughs> yeah. But it looks, good. it looks almost as good as the messages from the future in Prince of Darkness, which look... Which are all, like, video, and they look amazing. Like yeah. They're, but, uh, okay, so... Uh, Uhura picks them up. They're going to go do that thing. Uh, the Enterprise crew, they infiltrate Paradise City by having Uhura distract the guards by, like, doing, like, a stripper There's dance a with big feathers. dance. Uh-huh. And where are they strangest... playing the music from? It doesn't make any sense. I mean, like, wait, saying... I think the music was playing in all your heads because you were so turned on by this experience. <laughs> like, Nichelle Nichols is a lovely, lovely woman, but, like, Whoa, why dude. would... Why are you being weird now? No, I'm, I'm not, like, I'm, I'm making it clear that I'm, I'm dissing the idea that this Starfleet, uh, like team would be like hey uhura our communications officer why don't you get nude with some big feathers <laughs> like uh i think nimbus 3 ordered some boners can you please deliver yes. <laughs> i mean it is one step away from spock showing up in a hot cops uniform with a, with a boom box on his shoulder yeah. it's uh it logically i should remove my uniform right now <laughs> like this yeah no one, and, uh, no one asked for this spock no 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 it's the can you imagine shatner like turning to nichelle nick in the in the like you know meeting when they got together to talk about her role in the film and saying like now I really respect you as an actor and you obviously like blazed a trail uh, you know for we representation shared the first interracial film. kiss ever on television yeah. like you were close friends with MLK Jr. but for this film I kind of want you to 
Do you mean the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. (laughs) Jr.? (laughs) The real life person. My guess is that it's always been part of her take on the character, that that character is a burlesque dancer as a hobby. And as with many real life burlesque dancers, she's always trying to get her friends to come to the shows and they do not want to go. (laughs) But Scotty did. But Scotty did. And that's why they're in a relationship now. And they're closer. They're closer friends now. He appreciates it as an art form. He's like, like, I'm not not there to see the bodies. He's not there for titillation. Yeah, I'm there to see how they express themselves. (laughs) And Kirk is like, I'm going to spend my night going to a strip show where nobody takes it all off. No, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Nichelle Nick, Nichols was super pissed about this scene because uh, she originally like sang her own music on the top oh, of that sand dune, shit. and she was totally overdubbed by someone else. Wow. That makes more sense if they had done it that way. Your description of uh, Captain Kirk, or Shatner in this case, being disappointed by burlesque dancing would explain the way he treats the dancer in the club in Paradise City that he... <laughs> oh, well, we'll get to that in just a second. But uh, the, where, okay, there's a very lackluster battle where they they, infight, they infiltrate Paradise City, and Kirk fights and kills, the, kills that cat stripper. She yeah. jumps on him out of the shadows. He hurls her into the pool table full of milk. And Which she certainly just, seems much deeper than it did in the earlier scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, and she just lies there prone I have to assume dead face down yeah. face down in milk and like cats don't breathe out of their butts like I don't <laughs> Yeah, that we don't we don't find a race that breathes out of their butts until they go to that prison planet on Star Trek Six. <laughs> yeah, not everybody keeps their nose in the same place, Captain Kirk. Uh, but yeah, Stuart, it's like he doesn't like check to see if she's alive or anything. He's just like <laughs> down, Kitty, and then like walks away. Yeah, he's like add another name to my cenotaph. <laughs> <laughs> and but it seems like the heroes have it all in hand when the hostages. Take our heroes hostage. What? The what? the envoys have what? thrown in with Cybok. Great opportunity for David Warner to get a speech. <laughs> nope, doesn't get it. <laughs> and uh, and Cybok is like, I did all this so I could steal a Federation ship to go on my space quest. We don't know what the, what the quest is yet, right? They, like, drag it on so long yeah. to find out what this stupid quest is. At this point in time, I'm really falling for Cybok's charisma. I think he's great as a cult leader. What I love about Cybok is he is clearly trying to match William Shatner's mode of acting. And I wonder if it's the way he was directed or if he was just like, this is how you do it on a Star Trek set. But he gives a speech later where he's like, they said the Earth was flat. (laughs) Columbus proved them wrong. They said you couldn't break the sound barrier. It was broken. And I love that. It's a very Earth centric kind of uh, construction of that, too. He knows his audience. You know? Yeah, it's true. I just say that that line is very poorly written because it sounds like it was broken. It sounds like the sound barrier was already broken ahead of time. You didn't need to break it. That's bad writing. But uh, okay, and I can say that I'm a writer. So, uh, but he's like, I don't remember the name of the actor who plays Cybok. Lawrence right? Luckinbill. What else did he do? Because he gets his own and Lawrence Luckinbill as Cybok end credit, which usually means you are the most respected actor in the movie. This is this his last film credit? Whoa. What, what else, a way to go out. Well, what else did he do before that? Was okay, he so like he he didn't Derek Jacoby's understudy in various Shakespeare He's the cut rate. It's like Eric Jacoby. Like, don't worry, we got Derek Jacoby for the part. Uh, bad news. We couldn't afford him, so we got Eric Jacoby. <laughs> okay, he steals the Enterprise. The Klingons show up, and to get past well, them... Oh, sorry. I, uh, I I think that we should talk about the fact that it, like they take the the shuttle pod back up to the Enterprise and Spock has an opportunity to kill Cybok. Oh right, right. And mm-hmm. and Kirk is like, 
shoot him. Like, do it. <laughs> He's like, he keep killing it. people. I'm all for that. Scotty also has an opportunity to lock the door. Yeah, Scotty is watching all of this from the control room of the shuttle bay and just is, uh, is like, all right, well, let him in. <laughs> he needs that 10th finger to, to lock that door, right? <laughs> I mean, I just assumed that at point he he had it. He suddenly thought that he was a child again and he was waiting for his mom to come home to give him lunch. He's so he's he's in an advanced state of dementia. And he doesn't know. But so they have. There's they have, nothing sexual between he and her. It's just a caretaker <laughs> it's relationship. It's literally just like, oh, you poor child man. <laughs> his favorite food is popcorn. <laughs> he starts speaking Scotch Gaelic, which he hasn't speak, spoken since he was a child. <laughs> they have a moment where Uhura's like, "What do you want for dinner? Popcorn." <laughs> All right, you've got so little time left. Like, I'll just let just make him comfortable and happy There's in these an, remaining years. In an earlier time, we would have tried to create a reality-based world around you where we forced you to accept what happened, but now we're just going to enter your reality and make you comfortable in your final days. Uh, Kirk does sulk an awful lot, though, about uh, Spock not shooting Cybok. Like, to yeah. the degree where it's just like, you are bloodthirsty. Yeah. Like, you were just sad someone <laughs> yeah. didn't die here. To the degree that he has to slap the wall so the wall extends a chair for him to sit in. Yeah. <laughs> because, once again, he's an old guy. They're all pretty old. <laughs> he doesn't want to stand up. Are we sure knees. that weapon even works? It looks like a paintball gun filled with teeth. <laughs> yeah, it's that's the future, you know? It's, it's a hard for Spock because, as he admits, Cybok is his half-brother. Yeah, he's it's like, this film's Chinatown scene where it's like, he's my brother. He's not my brother. I mean, technically, he's kind of my brother. Yeah, he goes, he's my brother. And Kirk goes, you don't have a brother. I have a half-brother. And you hear the audience at home go, oh! <laughs> and, and Kirk is like, oh, you've checkmated me. Yeah, when he fir- well, when he first says he's my brother, he's like, stop speaking... Jive? That's <laughs> <laughs> true. Really, he says he's my brother and he goes, ah, you and your Vulcan community or whatever. <laughs> Look, you'll never get an academic post speaking like that. And, and Spock is like, excuse me? This is a valid form of English. It has real grammatical rules. I'm sorry. And Kirk is like, ah. This, look, you're just not, it's professionally, you're not going to be taken seriously. It's basically that scene from that one David Foster Wallace essay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, Sulu and Uhura, never the most strong of will. They start working for Cybok. Cybok, I guess, removes their pain. The pain. Sulu's pain, I guess, that of being a man who cannot get married because it's still not legal in the future of this movie. And Uhura's pain of having to have done that dance on, on the desert <laughs> yeah, when, planet. When they flash back to her trauma, it's just <laughs> <Yeah>. that. <laughs> it was like 10 minutes ago. I really had a it's tough like, time. I had thought I had made a place for myself in the galaxy as a respected <laughs> professional, but no, I'm just eye candy to distract the ditch diggers <laughs> so that we, and the sand people so that we can we can get, get their horses. Yeah, the yeah. excuse for that also was like, we don't have an hour to walk to that city. We'll steal these horses. And then they put on a song and dance number to steal the horses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, let's practice. You gotta make sure that you get your timing right. You gotta hit your cues. <laughs> Apparently the scriptwriter pitched that idea to the studio and he was like, they're never gonna buy this. And they're like, no, let's totally run with this. <laughs> Perfect. I'm shocked she didn't perform Row, Row, Row Your Boat, which is oh, Kirk's favorite song. Thematically would have worked. I imagine that they were like, we don't have a lot of time. Quick, go on LimeWiner, download one of Madonna's songs from Dick Tracy, transcribe the lyrics. Okay, we got to learn it fast. Uh, Cybok, this is his plan. 
He wants to break past the Great Barrier at the center of the galaxy and go to the legendary planet of Shakari, a name that he says as if it doesn't sound silly. <laughs> but it sounds silly every time. It uh, sounds like the name of the shrine in Major League <laughs> instead of Joe Boo. Yeah. That's where Joe Boo is going to go after he dies. <laughs> uh, Scotty breaks our boys out of the jail cell they're in, and they accidentally tell the Klingons exactly where they're going over the radio set. So nice work, boys. Cybok then, he goes, he gives a terrible speech about how the Great Barrier is just a product of the fear and superstition of civilizations, and behind it is the source of all creation. Some call it Eden or Heaven. He confuses those two, two terms in a way that is not accurate. Like, there is no religion in which Eden and Heaven are the same thing, but he yeah. uses them interchangeably. Yeah. So at that point, if I was Kirk, I would have been like, let me stop you right there. Your understanding of the Judeo-Islamic Christian uh, tradition is very faulty. <laughs> and then, like, this movie establishes that Kirk is not above the let me stop you right there well actually kind of interjection uh, he, but he, he talks about how it's the Klingon I don't remember what the Klingon uh, place is it's like ha, 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 or something like that yeah, yeah it's just a, a guttural right. sound yeah. I mean this 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 happens after we get a little we get a little bit more of those rocket boots I think you just gloss yeah. right yeah, over true. that sweet rocket boot scene where we get a little I ups and downs they have, to, they have to escape up a tunnel and and Sp- Spock I guess was hiding the rocket boots on his person uh-huh. like, so <laughs> thank god the screenplay established the existence of rocket boots before that so they could use it again. Yeah, that's Chekhov's rocket boots, not Chekhov the Star Trek character. Yep, thank you for clarifying. When we were watching it, Charlene's like, this is like Willy Wonka. And I'm like, it kind of is. This film also has a Chekhov's Chekhov. Willy Wonka, yeah. Wait, sorry, what did you say? This film also has a Chekhov's Chekhov. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Chekhov shows up and then later he's Chekhov. Uh, and Cybok, he to prove that he knows what he's saying, he makes Bones relive the experience of euthanizing his dying father months before they discover to cure for whatever his father had, which I guess was being old and dying. Yeah. And it's a very extreme therapy to release he could have the pain. lived six more months. <laughs> if they've made uh, euthanasia of the elderly a thing in this future, then why didn't Ahura do that to Scotty? Oh, that's, that's, that's the question I have. Point. Very good point. You, you you, to, uh, here's my guess. Scotty knows where some gold is hidden. Yeah. <laughs> and this is a long game for Ahura to find that gold. We're hoping that Star Trek VI is the legend of Scotty's gold. Oh, I'm with Love that. They're all cowboys now. Yeah. Was there ever a Star Trek cowboy thing or no? Uh, no. I don't believe there was. Oh, well, there's there's actually a TNG episode where Worf gets stuck in the holodeck with his son, and they, uh, they're they right. like the sheriff in town. Okay, that's close enough. Yeah. I mean, like, that's like the prisoner western episode. Where it's, it's fucking all terrible. It's terrible. Oh, that's too bad. Did he have his, like, batleth in, like, a little holster? And he had to pull it out <laughs> real awesome. quick? <laughs> Doesn't he, he, like, comes up with a way to make his communicator into a personal shield device yeah. because the, all the holodeck safeties are turned off. And, and he's never displayed any technological savvy, yeah. savvy at all. And, yeah. and you're also like, wow, if you can make your personal communicator into a, a shield to pr- protect you from bullets, wouldn't they do that all the time? And what need do you have for a batleth? <laughs> it's an honor-based culture. Let's right. just say that. It's, uh, who knows? So, uh, Cybok, meanwhile, takes Spock to his father's disappointment at Spock's birth, and it's like, how good are Vulcan memories that he remembers his own birth? And he's definitely <laughs> and I mean, looking away in disgust at his, at his human-ish son. What is the part of that baby's body that is disappointing and human, I it's, wonder? He's probably disappointed by how incredibly large that newborn baby is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can't really use a newborn baby. Every movie, it's a baby that's older than newborn. Uh, guess. Not that Return of the Living, or what, Dawn of the Dead remake, where they just use a cool CGI zombie baby? 
You're right. They should have used a CGI zombie baby instead of a real baby. Here's my guess, because I've had that. I had a similar experience where I am Jewish. Wait, Let's what? just say it. I'll just admit it. You can use that <laughs> you, against wait, me in my flashback trial. flashback to the moment of your birth? No, no. The moment of There's my... a ton about the room we're recording in that makes more sense now. Wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, wait a minute. Are you saying no. when your son was born... They gave you the baby, and you're like, too human. <laughs> no, when I, they, they gave, I said, too human. Where's his third eye? But when, when they handed me my son, I had a moment of, like, his penis doesn't look like my penis. And I had to remember, like, oh, what? yeah, circumcision's the thing. Like, he's, that's going to get taken care of. But it's like, but it was a very similar thing of, like, this baby does taken not look like of. me in a serious way. <laughs> They're going to take care of that problem. <laughs> Don't worry. And I can't wait. We're going to remove that flaw in God's design. I can't wait till but, your son listens to this episode and then forever has issues with his penis because of it. We can only hope that Elliot's son becomes a Max Fund donor when, you know, he's of age oh, to have a It'll never card. happen. He'll be like, oh, podcasts are over by now. We're yeah. all into like, I don't know. It's like a thing where they beam a smell into your brain. Yeah. My uh, my wife is Jewish and they recently got Congratulations. Their, like, their, uh, their DNA test done and it's like 98% Ashkenazi DNA. Oh, yeah. My mom did the same thing. It was, it was like 98% Ashkenazi Jewish, like 2% Neanderthal, and like yeah. nothing else. <laughs> and I, I, uh, I, was, I, I thought in that scene, like, oh, man, like when her when her first child is, is placed in her arms, she's going to look at me and be like, you ruined it. You ruined <laughs> yeah. it for all of us. <laughs> we were so close to pure. Uh, yeah, so that's, so I understand, what's Spock's dad's name? Like, Spock Savick, Senior? Sarek. Sarek. So that he was Sabak like, is the exactly game they like play him. in Star Wars. Oh, okay, yeah, sorry. That's the game that Han Solo won the Millennium Falcon from Lando Calrissian playing. Mm-hmm. Star Wars. Hey, those are some fun movies, right? Oh yeah, <laughs> even Solo, one of the lesser Star Wars movies. It's pretty you know, fun. The first Star Wars movie was nominated for Best Picture. How many Star Trek movies have been nominated for Best Picture? Hmm, I don't remember. <laughs> okay, so anyway, enough of that jovial banter uh, and ribaldry. Uh, so Cybox says basically, so they all ribaldry re- because we're talking about circumcision. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, so, so he's shown them their disappointments, and Kirk is like, "I refuse. My pain yeah. is what makes me who I am." And it's like, Kirk, you just had a major breakthrough, and you don't even realize it. Yeah, and it's like, dude, you're just gonna see shit about your dead son, right? This is funny to me because uh, my best friend in college and and uh, halftime roommate was uh, he he would quote this he'd be like I will, I love my pain my pain is what makes me me or whatever I'm just like all right well I just- are you sure he wasn't just quoting Pacino and Heat I I hang on to it it gives me it gives me my edge on the edge. Where I gotta be. <laughs> I told you, baby, when we got together, you were gonna have to share me with every bad roommate in this college. <laughs> but my reaction to this, like, it's like, okay, great, like, great, you know, like, I understand. You talking to me? <laughs> it's like, I understand, I understand the sentiment. Something from insomnia. Oh, for God's sake. <laughs> Forget it, Jake. It's Chinatown. No, no, never mind. Never mind. No, no, Dan, tell us your story. So you said, I told the story about my son's penis when he was born. You should tell about your Yeah, it's weird, that, your it's weird that, that no one re- interrupted you while you were talking. That's very strange. No, we all, we all sat around with our heads bowed, listening intently to Elliot's penis talk. Yeah, I said, I said, gather around, children. Lay, sit at my feet, and I shall tell you tales of an uncircumcised penis. So, Dan, what did you say to your roommate? I've got to know. No, no, no. The point was just that, like, you know, like, he was like, oh, I, I, I I love my pain. My pain is what makes me me. Like, and it's just like, yeah, great. I understand that sentiment, but why are you quoting Star Trek Five? 
Like, <laughs> why is that the one that you choose to? He knows no one's ever seen it, yeah. so he can sound original and yeah. cool. Or he can get the word slightly wrong, and no one's going to correct him on it. Uh, look, every every sometimes a pile of mud has a has a little speck of gold in it. Yeah, Do yeah, you get that from uh, fucking City Slickers too? <laughs> like, like shitting after a night of drinking nothing but Goldschlager. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So anyway, Cybok tells them, they say, no, we're not going to join you, Cybok. And Cybok goes, too bad, because God is behind the barrier. See ya! And they go to the great barrier at the center of the universe, with a galaxy or whatever, which no one has ever passed through. It's too dangerous, and it's like a big, goopy, smoky, electric thing, and they pass through it so easily. There's yeah. no... Uh, I mean, they, they're looking at the sensors and they say, like, oh, th- I can't tell if this is something or not because the sensors are saying nothing. So it's just a big illusion that yeah. has, has uh, scared everybody away <laughs> like, before now. Cybok's right. It's the fear. That's true. It's all the fear. Because I've had commutes yeah, worse killer. than the past to this. It's the, yeah, fear's the mind killer. It's the little death within us all. Oh, man, what a movie. Am I right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> a science fiction movie, Stewart, right, guys? He's so great. Yeah. Patrick Stewart. Why isn't Sting in Star Trek stuff? <laughs> It is like the whole movie has been building up to this. Like, like, oh my God, what is going to be beyond this barrier? This barrier is crazy. Everyone's talking about this barrier. There's so much buzz about this barrier. Hashtag barrier. <laughs> and they're just like, oh, we want. Oh, we, uh, we went through the barrier. Like, it's like, when are we, when are we going to go through this barrier? Oh, we passed through it five minutes ago. Okay. People were like, for thousands of years. Everyone's been trying. I mean, it's you know what it is? It's the story of the Gordian knot. Nobody can untie this knot. Well, let me cut it with a sword. And yeah. Alexander, you're amazing. <laughs> <laughs> no one thought of that. We, Ale- we, all this time we thought we were teaching Alexander. Alexander's been teaching us. That's what Plato said. <laughs> yeah. Or Aristotle. I'm sorry. Aristotle said that. Uh, so uh, I did like when they were passing through and it just randomly cut to Jodie Foster and she said they should have sent a poet and then she's not in the movie anymore. <laughs> <laughs> They see a glowing planet on the other side, and they're like, what? Oh. And Cybok is like, Kirk, you're in command again for some reason. It's like, crazy. Kirk just takes command. And his first act as as being back in command is not arrest Cybok and all his guys from the desert that are <laughs> standing around the bridge with their guns. So, like, guys, I have, a, I have a question. I was looking at my phone around this time. At what point did Cybok get a haircut? Because <laughs> his hair looks way different later in the movie than it does earlier. The, he in the did movie. it in transit inside the shuttlecraft. Oh, okay, that there makes was plenty sense. of time is for there, that. Is there a deleted scene where he's he's like, "I want to look good for God"? I mean, I guess you're right. Just because it's not on screen doesn't mean it's a plot hole. Exactly. Yeah, if you can you can infer that it happened. That's fine. They must have a a set of scissors on there, and you know they probably made Uhura do it because she's a lady. Maybe that's what happens when you go through the barrier, man. Maybe that's the you get a sensible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Well, there was that scene where, for a brief second, as they passed through the barrier, Bugs Bunny was cutting Cybok's hair and telling him how what interesting people (laughs) go through the barrier. (laughs) Many people are afraid to request a different haircut from their stylist. So, oh yeah, I made that mistake once. I said, "Let's try something different." It was terrible. Never again. You're like, "What's this mullet everyone's talking about?" I think I'd look cool with it. I like Martin Mull. I'll look like him, sure. People were wearing Caesar haircuts 10 years ago. <laughs> Why wouldn't I want a party in the back and yet business up front? Shows I'm versatile. I think people. Uh, I so. think being confused with a hockey player would be a good idea for me. <laughs> They're famous athletes. Okay, Kirk takes a man. Yeah, their first, his first action is not arrest Cybok. It is, Cybok, you're coming with me and Bones and Kirk on the shuttle to the surface. Are we the best people for this job? No, but we're the stars of the movie. No, it's just weird that like at this point, Kirk, like, 
still has authority over the the ship, even though Cybok has like taken it over. Like he's just like, oh, you other people stay behind. <laughs> And they're just like, yeah, sure, whatever. Yeah, I mean, it's it's like spiritual power versus, I guess, temporal power, maybe. What do you think, Elliot? Maybe. I mean, I think that moment, they're just like, they're so, they want stability. They've been through a really bad day. Mm-hmm. And they're just like, what? just make it normal again. Like, just the same way that, like, something, you could be a grown-up, and you're like, you're having a bad time, and you go to your parents' house, and your mom is like, lights out, bedtime, and you're like, I just need rules. Like, I just need, <laughs> I need somebody to set, to set, to tell me what to do, because I cannot handle this, yeah. this chaos. When I go to visit my longer. parents, and my mom's like, time to let me wipe your bottom, and I'm like, yes, please, I'm a big boy. <laughs> is temporal power the power that's been dredged in uh, egg and panko breadcrumbs? Oh, yeah, it's delicious. Yeah. Before yeah. being fried? A mm-hmm. <laughs> little bit of seltzer water to make it extra oh, crispy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh wow, that's, that's a scene. Scene. That's ah. cool. And now that I know, uh, it's but it, it reminds me of the scene that I hate in Return of the Jedi, where they're like, Captain Solo, you've got to go down to the planet and turn off the shield generator. Who's going to go with you? And all his friends are like, I'll do it. Count me in, buddy. And it's like, this is not how the military should work. Like, yeah. come on. <laughs> like, okay, so if the show Barry taught us anything, it's that you should not go on a mission with a bunch of yahoos who decide to volunteer themselves for it. Come on, Barry, HBO, oh, winner wow, of several yeah. Emmys. Okay, so. I've been trying to convince my wife to watch it. She doesn't good. like murdery things. It's kind yeah, of it's a, a show violent, about, yeah. it's a show about a guy learning how to be an actor. So, of course, he's going to win a bunch right. of awards, right? Good point. Point. Actors love things about actors. Uh, so so they land, and they all act like this is the most amazing thing they've ever seen. And correct me if I'm wrong, this looks like every planet Star Trek has ever landed on, ever. When they say it's like Eden, does that mean it's the place that all Star Trek sets have sprung forth from? <laughs> <laughs> it's like a, a rural place outside of L.A., which is therefore a desert. It looks like a, it's like a pink desert hill outside of Los Angeles, yeah. and it's like... It's the Salton Sea with gels. Yeah. Yeah. The minute the minute I landed on it, I would have been like, so Eden, because when I heard about Eden, it was called a garden, and it had plants and animals in it. Like, there's Quite no lush in, in the description. <laughs> in the description. <laughs> they can't grow apples here. This is, <laughs> this is verdant. Like, my ass is verdant. Fuck this. <laughs> but they walk around. It looks like they're inside an aquarium that had all the water drained out of it. Like, yeah. But they walk around like the, it, it's really funny because they walk around like they're in a dream this is amazing yeah, yeah I, I dreamed I walked across Eden in my maiden form bra and then <laughs> after a certain point you can see the characters getting bored of it and being like is yeah. this it like is this all we, is that all there is like well, come on Shatner's direction of we're gonna CG in a bunch of like cool James Cameron plants and animals <laughs> had, uh, sort that, of worn off that'd be so funny if you it, like the book of the movie the art book of the movie has these amazing visualizations <laughs> of like jungles and creatures and there was gonna be a whole sequence of them like just like delighting and all the in the the things that they see and they're like we ran out of money (laughs) go back to the same gravel pit you did all the other shows this movie did famously run out of money right like yeah the whole the whole end of the movie was reorganized so that they could just like churn it out they only had the budget for a haircut for Lawrence (laughs) Luckenbill. i didn't realize terry gilliam directed this movie (laughs) just kidding he's He's great. Love him. Can't wait to see that Don Quixote movie that he finally made. Uh, then seems, seems like a good guy. He's got some unpopular opinions because he is an old man. But it, for me, it does not take away from him being a great artist who is... It's it's not surprising that a man who literally has no control of his visual style or budgeting has no control over <laughs> the political opinions he says. Yeah. 
he has he's a man with no tact, but that's what I love about his style. Anyway, okay. I've seen some recent pictures of him, and I admire the fact that he's turned into a being of pure texture. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. That's the funniest thing I've ever heard. Okay, so uh, rocks erupt from the ground. Uh Uh-oh. They're in a cage of rock, and suddenly they meet what appears to be God, which is, it's, now, I have to admit, I love this effect because it looks weird. It looks, it's like a Zardoz type bearded face, but it's yeah. like, it's like you zoomed in too far on a film or video and the grain is all there and yeah. the eyes are from some different yeah. face than the rest of the face. And it's, I think like the, the focal length of the, of the lenses that they're using to shoot the, the foreground are different from the focal length of the lenses they use to shoot the face. So it like looks distorted relative to everything else. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, in, I'm like, okay, I buy it. You're if like, you am I watching a God. movie in the witch house all of a sudden? <laughs> <laughs> Did but Mark like, Danielewski see... write this sequence? <laughs> <laughs> Star Trek, Star Trek five, the final, the house of leaves. Like the, uh, the, uh, there's if you're gonna see God, he is not gonna look like just a person. It's not it's gonna look weird. Like, yeah. I love how strange. he presents all the versions that he thinks you want to see, and they're all like old white guys. Yeah. There's there's one like metal face that looks like Q from Street Fighter Three. <laughs> <laughs> He's just one voice, many faces, and they all fly out of the screen as if it was like all the gods you see here. This guy and this guy and one this of, guy. One of them is yellow and then they start playing that god for a bit. And then... <laughs> I feel like Kirk has to be disappointed that one of those faces isn't his. Oh, you gotta believe it. Yeah. He probably threw that as an, as an Easter egg and they are like, yeah. Shatner, take it out. Like, you can't do that. It, that, that. Like a tech war book flew out also. And they're like, Bill, just don't put that in. Just take it's it out. It's him sliding over the hood of a cop car. <laughs> he starts speaking Esperanto. <laughs> oh, so many good things about him uh that god is like uh he's like i want your starship you can finally get me out of this place and kirk is like why do you need a starship and god explains by shooting him with laser eyes (laughs) and it's pretty clear at this point he is not really god he's some kind of super powerful alien force well maybe the old testament god uh, right. I guess so, in a way. But even even that God was. Lo- I guess actually that's true. That it's pretty it, vengeful in the Old the, Testament. The God of the Jews is a God who might be like Jews. Give me your spaceship. <laughs> We're getting out of here. But why do you need it? I mean, that is the Book of Job. Is essentially like, give me all your stuff. Why? Get out of here. Like the God, the, the God of the, the Hebrew Bible, Bible is at times like a mob boss who can't control his emotions. <laughs> it's like, like, why are you doing all this to me, God? Get the hell out of here. No. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Nah, <laughs> You know, that kind of stuff. Hey, I need a starship here. <laughs> now, I wasn't sure when I saw this, like, did the God character, like, know that he was luring these people here to, so he could get the spaceship? Or did it just happen to be that they showed up with a spaceship and he's like, oh, a spaceship, I needed one of those. Are you questioning God? <laughs> eye lasers, eye lasers to Dan. I think that he, Cybok was his mark, right? Like, yeah. yeah. All right. The... I mean, he, like, sent a vision to Cybok. Yeah. It seems. Or Cybok just had a crazy vision. I don't know. There's another special effect I like in this sequence where the guys who got eye-lasered, like, there's still, like, smoke coming off of their little scorches. Yeah. That's do you know yeah. that that's cigarette smoke? I, really? I, I yeah. do know that. Is there somebody smoking inside William Chatner's chest? <laughs> <laughs> Always. Uh, just off screen, they were blowing cigarette smoke into the uniforms oh, in this scene, and cool. then they were ready to roll. That's amazing. Like this, You'd ho- never get away with that right now, right? No, because yeah. it would be 
be dangerous. <laughs> that, that's that's like one of those things that you watch an old movie where a horse f- runs off a cliff, yeah. and you're and the old man is like, they'd never let you do that now. <laughs> what kill a horse for a movie? You're right, they wouldn't. Like, but this scene. Those were the good old days. Shatner was like, I would like my fluffer on the set of the next mil- film to also be smoking. Yeah. <laughs> this is like the kind of like old-style science fiction short story twist that I love, where it's like, we're going to find God. Actually, he's a madman. He's a, he's a crazy thing, you know, of all power. We don't like him. And he's, like, shooting these bizarre eye bolts that look weird. Like, this mm-hmm. whole part of it, where, and it, like, works really well. Even though this is the, I, objectively, about to become the stupidest part of the movie. Yeah. For some reason, this is where the movie most becomes a fever dream. And I'm like, <laughs> I love it. I love it. Like, give me more of this. I don't want the stuff where they're like negotiating with the ambassadors. Like, I want the stuff where it's like, what is this weird vision? And it's now shooting eye bolts. But yes, you know what? I'm a, I'm a Wars boy. I'm a Star Wars boy. Mm-hmm. I like the stuff where it's like a weird thing shooting eyeballs. This could just be Dr. McCoy overheating near the campfire, yeah. camping at Yosemite, oh, though. Yeah. Like, yeah. This yeah. is credibly a crazy dream. Yeah, this could be just, or or this is a story McCoy is telling with a flashlight under his face. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and, uh, Ready to believe it. Now the, but it's the a reaction to all the beans and whiskey. <laughs> yeah, they, they have beans and whiskey and it's like they talk about it like they, they are, they make no bones about it, pun intended. They are going to fart the hell out of their sleeping bags. Like, their sleeping bags are going to be hostile, toxic environments. Yeah. No, there's the definitely, over. like, talk of that. And they're like, oh, Spock's a Vulcan. He's not going to fart as much because of his metabolism. Uh-huh. It's too logical to fart. <laughs> and Spock is like, why would I expel that gas? It can be used as fuel. <laughs> I can fuel my boots with it. That's why I'm holding a glass jar underneath your bottom every time you eat beans. So I can then attack that glass jar to my space boots. Uh, so yes, so those space boots—they're powered by farts. Do you think they smell when he uses them? I mean, yeah, I, I mean, I can't imagine anything else. I mean, I think uh, when they're on the ship, maybe he gets like biodiesel from the galley, and so they smell like uh, you know taco shells or French fries or something. <laughs> but uh, on Earth, they can just use whatever. Yeah, I mean, I like it because it makes them even more like the fizzy lifting drink from Willy Wonka, <laughs> which is based on just filling your body with gas. Yeah. Do you get the sense that Cybok melds with God here? That's and that's my, that's my assumption. He yeah. uses his psychic powers to find out what God's trauma is, and yeah. I assume. It's so bad. Like God, like he's probably like no girls will go out with me or something like that. Like, yeah. but uh, but Cybok psychically wrestles God and does like he is God is no contest. Like Cybok is handily winning this, yeah. con- or at least to a sand standstill. And he's it's like, distracting God long enough for the uh, for the photon torpedoes to rain down upon their position. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so and Kirk it's is a like, lovely fucking Star Trek movie. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's the thing. It's also like. I gotta, I gotta respect any movie where they're like, God's attacking us. Shoot him with a torpedo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like that's crazy. And this was at the height. This was in the eighties, at the height of like the moral majority, where it's like, take this, Christians. In our movie, God's a bad guy, and we're gonna shoot him. <laughs> we're gonna blow him up. <laughs> like that's nuts. <laughs> that's like, I, like Darren Aronofsky's Mother is such a tame movie that respects like the mainstream heritage compared to Star Trek V, the final friend. Like William. Miss Burroughs is seeing this in the theater and is like, I wish I could be this out there. I feel like modern Christianity has more than a little bit 
like laser beam god worshiping people oh, like oh for sure yeah. they want laser beams to hit people and yeah. like you know Christopher Hitchens and they're maybe wa- worried that we're gonna shoot torpedoes right. in god. <laughs> Christopher Hitchens was watching this in the movies as a kid and being like yeah take him down <laughs> uh, so Kirk- good they made Nichelle Nichols seem like an idiot because <laughs> <laughs> women aren't funny I'm yeah. Christopher Hitchens <laughs> he's a guy well he's he he and Andrew Breitbart are like the two instances of like someone's dead gotta say something nice about him and it's like everyone hates the mother alive and then they're die they're like oh, what what a true thinker yeah. what would they say right now yeah <laughs> Ugh, give me a break give me a uh, fucking anyway break. both those and if i meet both of, there's i made a joke on the daily show years ago about abraham lincoln's son dying while he was in office and i feel so bad because if i go to heaven i'm gonna meet abraham lincoln and i have to explain myself but if i go to hell and i meet christopher hitchens and bright i'll be you, like i don't care dude <laughs> <laughs> like i'll badmouth you till the sun goes Boy, down you don't Come believe on. in heaven and hell right I mean, I don't believe in hell. Certainly, we don't need to get into that. But, but like, like but I mean, I was just saying. Uh, my wife is quick to point out that Jews don't believe in heaven and hell. Well, they believe in some sort of next world, but it's pretty iffy because no one's ever told them what it's like. Like the Gray Havens. Yeah, exactly. Okay, yes. cool. I get it. I get it. I get it. I get let's it. hash this out on the podcast. I, I mean, well, because the, the thing is, it's let's a just bonus say the episode. I think most people have turned off this episode by now. Yeah, let's just say the subtext. Vulcans are Jewish, right? And like, like Leonard Nimoy certainly inf- infused it. I with- thought that was Ferengis. No, well, <laughs> Ferengis are a Jewish stereotype. <laughs> that, that Leonard Nimoy, it seems, as he went on, kind of infused more Jewish mysticism into Spock uh, as yeah. he got older and became more interested in it. And so it's like, there's this part where it's like, oh, Jews, are, it's, that's the way Jews think of themselves is like as very reasonable, educated people when everyone else sees them as Ferengi, which are like, like guys are like, hey, 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 yeah, come on, let's go over there. Like, hey, stop bothering me. My tummy hurts. I love money so much. <laughs> yeah, well, that part too. It's, uh, but anyway, the shuttle's busted. And but your your Jewish Vulcan sounds a lot like Pacino again. <laughs> yeah. Let's just say the subtext, guys. Al Pacino's Jewish. Let's, let's just say it. But uh, Kirk. So Scotty has finally gotten the whole reason they're using the shuttle is Scotty has gotten the, the transporter isn't working. The beam up stuff. Right. Uh, what's that called? Things that beam. What is this? The fucking pyramid. <laughs> it's, it's Jeopardy. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so Kirk ha- says they go we can only take two people Kirk goes send up Spock and Bones because he's a self-sacrificing hero yeah. and he's got to be a martyr goes down with the ship goes down yeah. with the ship even though he's literally sending them up to the ship uh, that's when the Klingon ship attacks so the wait it's God, in I atmosphere guess. now can they go in atmosphere well the the shuttles uh, are, are a landing craft the, uh, but the, the, I thought said, the bird of prey gets in the atmosphere to like. Yeah, the birds we see of, a birds bird of prey. prey. We see a bird of prey fly under the the Golden Gate Bridge oh, in, the, guys, in the fourth Star guys, Trek guys, film. Guys, oh, guys, okay. guys, I gotta pee. We can't argue about where the bird of prey can go. Can they break Atmo? That's all I'm wondering. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, I think bird of, bird of prey is canonically do uh, in atmosphere combat stuff. All right. Okay, let's. So now that we've gotten that set aside. Uh, and I'm glad we spent less time on that than on my son's penis when he was born. Uh, so, uh, Why do you keep bringing up your son's penis? I'm proud of it. Like, even before we started recording, it was all you wanted to talk about. I showed you the foreskin that was framed on the wall, yeah. as every Jewish family does. Uh, so, so Bad God is chasing Kirk around. The Klingon ship just blows Bad God up, which is, at that point, you're like, that's definitely not God if a bird of prey could take him down. Especially if you didn't, if you didn't doubt it enough when he asked for a spaceship. Christopher Hitchens would say there are no good gods. That's yeah. true. Christopher Hitchens would just call him God. 
God. Uh, <laughs> if you didn't believe he wasn't God when he asked for a spaceship, and if you didn't believe he wasn't God when Cybok wrestled him to a standstill, <laughs> you definitely don't when a bird of prey kills him. And it's like, okay, he's the Alpha and the Omega. He's one with creation, the Lord of all, the heaven, and the creator of the mm. universe. Well, he knows pretty, all, sees all. Pretty cool all. if when the bird of prey hit him with their with their laser beam or whatever, just the movie was over. <laughs> My credits <laughs> yeah. roll. Yeah. <laughs> Existence ends. Oh, that would be amazing. Uh, they beam up Kirk. Do you think they bitch out by letting the Klingons kill God? Like, do you think that was a specific choice? Uh, like, yeah. let's not have yeah. the Enterprise oh, sure. kill God. Deniability. Yeah. I, bet, I bet, and I, for the filmmakers too, I bet, they're like, we can't show the Enterprise really kill God. The yeah. Klingons are bad anyway. Yeah, the Kling- lay it off on them. Let's let's have the Klingons stand-ins for Russians and also non-white people. Let's have them kill God. <laughs> Since I've never been, it's like, well, anyway, we don't have to talk about that. But it's like that that for so long on Star Trek, it was, it was like, Gene Roddenberry was like, I'm a liberal progressive. That's why I have a black person on the ship. And the Klingons are made to look like you know, some kind of Russian-Asian black person hybrid. Anyway. Star Trek is my career, and I can tell you with authority that there's no way Gene Roddenberry's a liberal progressive <laughs> creatively. I mean, he, he may have been a communist, but he was also a sexist <laughs> and a be, racist. To be fair, that they were all, they all were back then, I guess, yeah, you know. Yeah. Uh, the same way that it's like you hear a... No, it's the pronounced Uhura. Sorry, thanks, Dan. It's pronounced Zithura, directed by John Favreau. But the, the, the fact that it's pronounced uh, Zithura, the cheesy sauce that you get at a spaghetti factory. <laughs> oh, that's uh, yeah, Zithura, the thing they play at the beginning yeah. of the Third Man. <laughs> the, uh, the, the, I, the way that sixties and seventies comedy—they're like it was all about breaking the rules and overthrowing the establishment. Women were made to serve men too. Wait, what? Like you read the like you read the Lampoon, and half the jokes are about like having sex with women and, and abusing them it's like this is terrible yeah, come on guys yeah. you know what doesn't hold up so if I run into any of the lampoon guys in hell hey you know what I stand by it forget it okay so uh, <laughs> yeah like your version of hell is being fucked in the ass by Conan O'Brien <laughs> <laughs> I guess that would be pretty bad uh, if I guys, wasn't into it that would I mean be you might be into it I don't know there are people who would love that I'm not one of them you know what I'm not gonna <laughs> this is a personalized hell for me the devil's like hey look I'm not saying it's objectively evil but for you, you wouldn't enjoy it, right? I'm in like, yes. Context. The same way that, you know how Kokomo is playing on nonstop loop? Other people would have enjoyed that, but you don't? I'm like, you know it, I Devil. I feel like <laughs> Kokomo and Conan O'Brien is a weird combination, right? What? Because it's, it's, he's called Coco? Team Coco, yeah. We're taking, and O'Brien. We're taking so long. <laughs> we're taking so long to get, into my, to get to my favorite stupid moment of the movie. Guys, just pee, Dan, just pee into the, you're just in Just pee here. in a bucket. Come on. Dan, Stuart's seen it all already. Just, just pee, pee in Rob's outstretched hands. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, Kirk gets beamed up to, what, the Klingon ship? Uh-huh. And Spock is there, and he has convinced the Klingon uh-huh. envoy to command the Klingon captain to apologize. No, to Kirk. no, this is but no. Wait, hold on. We missed my favorite stupid moment. <laughs> okay, which what's is your when, favorite stupid part? When like Jump the, in. the the envoy, like the Klingon, like uh, whatever. Who the the, the <laughs> he's a delegate to Nimbus. The delegate three. is like, oh, say hello to our new gunner. And Spock turns around in the gun thing, like he's the guy who blew up oh, God. And it's just cool. like, wait, why does why does Spock also have to beam over to to operate the guns? <laughs> like, I'm sure that someone on the Klingon ship could have uh, shot God just as easily. Is this as Spock. a movie about the Jews killing Jesus? It has to be at this point. Now I believe it. Except he's such a, like you're saying, he's such an Old Testament God it was, yeah. that it's like who knows. <laughs> but it's, so one of these ma- moments, but it's like it's one of these moments where it's just like, oh, one of our heroes has to be in charge of the shooting. 
Yeah, yeah. yeah well, what, as, soon as, I, yeah, as soon as I saw that Klingon ship shoot something like accurately, I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> and then when I realized what happened, I was like, oh, that makes sense. That makes sense. Okay. It's like when a stormtrooper shoots someone, you know, you're like, oh, that must be one of the heroes dressed up in stormtrooper armor. <laughs> so, so here's my guess. Spock was like, nothing is less logical than God. It requires a leap of faith, and faith is not reasonable. Let's kill his ass. <laughs> so, uh, and- Which is why Spock like turns the Klingon ship to the side. <laughs> yep, yeah. <laughs> and kills God gangster style. Yeah, shoots God twice in the back of the head. <laughs> Two taps, out. Uh <laughs> you see, yeah, the convertebrae stands over God and puts another one in the head just to make sure he's done. They they executed God because what's, what's the, the difference? <laughs> Their mo is that they're good. <laughs> as soon as the first two were down, they took care of the other guy. Uh, so the, this this is also wraps up a, a weird subplot where this Klingon envoy he was apparently a respected Klingon general who what like fell on hard times yep. and Spock has to help him build his confidence back up to command the Klingon. <laughs> On captain yeah. and it's like wait a minute why does he get an arc but, but like sulu or uhura yeah. or none of the other guys and there was do. that like, well and there was that montage where spock is teaching him how to be cool again and they play walk like a man <laughs> <laughs> yeah and he keeps trying on clothes and, and, and kirk keeps, and spock keeps shaking his head and then finally That's tips down his sunglasses looks over them <laughs> and then the klingon envoy he goes to the store that wouldn't let him shop earlier and he holds up the bags and he goes big mistake <laughs> <laughs> so everyone celebrates. Klingon. Yeah, yeah. In Klingon. <laughs> uh, everyone celebrates with cocktails. It's this weird cocktail mixer on the Enterprise. I, and- I love this shit. Where where is it? Chekhov and Sulu are following the Klingon woman, and she's like, first off, she is super jacked. She's incredible, and they're like talking about how muscly she is. And as soon as she actually approaches another Klingon, they're like, oh, let's get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> I love how Chekhov's like, isn't she hot? And Sulu's like, yeah. <laughs> I'm totally going to try to bone her. I am I find very, her incredibly sexually attractive. <laughs> I am attracted to her physical attributes. Specifically the muscle part. <laughs> <laughs> I love, but I love the idea that they're like walking away like, like tugging on their collars like ooh we almost <laughs> like, that was a close one <laughs> we almost got killed is Sulu gay in the universe no no uh, and and I think George De- I mean they made him gay in the reboots uh-huh. and I think that George Takei really didn't uh, he took exception to that because uh-huh. he wasn't playing the character in that way and never understood the character to be gay mm-hmm. and it was like the filmmakers of the reboots going like, hey, isn't this cool? We made him gay, just like you. And he was like, that's not what the character is. And meanwhile, Zachary Quinto is like, can Spock be gay, please? Like, let's, <laughs> like, Why are you right keep here. making me make out with a horror? Like, yeah. I hate this. But, uh, okay, that makes it. I've, I've respect, I have so much respect for George Takei as a performer and as a person. And, like, the, the idea that he was like, look, I'm not Sulu. Like, Sulu is a character that I played. Yeah. And you don't need to do this little hat tip to me right. to make me Sulu. Like, I, I respect that a lot. Like, they didn't make Scotty stupid in the J.J. Abrams Star Trek films <laughs> as a nod to Star Trek V, either. <laughs> well, and what that would have been so funny, though. They didn't cut off his finger. <laughs> <laughs> Scotty's doing nothing but trip and falls. <laughs> and when Scotty smacks his head, he's just walking, and when he gets up, he's got blood on his forehead. 
how strong are his legs propelling him? <laughs> That's what Uhura likes about him. Or I guess when you get older, your skin turns into like a thin trash bag material that is ready to rupture <laughs> so all your organs spill out. It's like the tissue paper around a fancy gift in a gift bag. <laughs> but what you don't see also is that the Enterprise isn't finished, so there's all these nails sticking out of the other side of that girder oh. that haven't yet been sanded down or, or pounded down, you know. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Was Cybok's spell broken when he died? Because for... for Whoa, Chekhov, Cybok died? <laughs> well, I mean, I he mean, merged I guess... with God and then blew up. <laughs> we don't see him again. Okay, he was murdered. <laughs> we can all understand that. So wait, Spock killed Cybok? I guess you're right. Spock finally followed through and killed Cybok. I didn't even put two and two together. He mm. was like, "This is I should have done this a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> no. This new gangster Spock that we put in place. All right. Let's, let's, I love the Coolio Gangster's Paradise song that they played during the credits of yeah, this film. Yeah, Spock sinned in most of his life. <laughs> gangster's Paradise City. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, so Dan, Dan really has to pee. So we can We're zoom so to the end to of the, the movie. We're so close to the end of this movie, guys. And, the, and so Kirk suggests that God is actually in the human heart, and he calls Spock and Bones his family, and he goes, Spock, you lost a brother. And he goes, yes, but I kept, I saved two others or something like that. Yeah. And then they go back to camping, and they sing, row, row, row your boat. And I have to admit, like, even as someone who is not super versed in this, these characters and have not followed them a long time, they everything they do carries a history. And so having them reassert, like, yes, we are a family. And we really, love each other. And we love each other. It was very meaningful, even if... They already felt that way at the beginning of the movie, and it was yeah. like so nothing. So it's not like you discovered, oh no, we do care about each other. You just reaffirmed it, and it's like if at the end of every Spider-Man movie, he was like, "Yeah, I was wrong to let my uncle Ben get killed." He's like, "Yeah, that's where you started, dude." Like, that's... And Spider-Man's like, "I'm also going to look very different yeah. next time you see me." <laughs> I hope you like. At the, what if at the end of the last, the third Tobey Maguire movie, he just turns again and goes. Hope you like the Spider-Man story, folks, because you're about to see it again. Wink! <laughs> Take it away, Andrew! <laughs> it's, it's like a chain letter. Like, he mailed Andrew Garfield a script and was like, somebody else didn't play Spider-Man and terrible things happened to them. Send this to five of your friends and have them play Spider-Man. <laughs> Only one actor is ever gullible enough to take them up on it. So we would normally end with final judgments. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think we should do that. And uh, and then uh, while we're talking about final judgments, I want everybody to think about their drunk Shimoda, which is uh, a segment at the end of our show where we call out the character that is f- the funniest uh, character that's doing something that just uh, that caught our eye that uh, we we really liked. So. Uh, yeah, what, how does final judgments work? So, Dan, would you like to explain, or you, is, has, the, has the urine reached the top of your brain and you can no longer think? <laughs> I'll explain, and then I'll run to the bathroom just so I'm not thinking about it the So you don't pee all over yourself? Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> That's the unspoken reason, yeah. <laughs> it's whether this is a good, bad movie, a bad, bad movie, or a movie we kind of like. I think those are pretty self-explanatory categories, but... Uh, so, Dan, say yours and then leave. I think that... Uh, this is a bad, bad movie. I really love the Star Trek characters. I do have a lot of history with them. I, uh, I, th- I find them very charming. And to that end, the stuff that I found most charming about this movie was the stupidest stuff when they're just like hanging out in Yosemite, even though that stuff is goofy <laughs> as balls. Like at least it's just like a character moment. But this movie gets mired down in so much boring shit. In the second act, that I can't recommend it at all, and that's my. <laughs> wow. Okay, you Dan, you go pee because I disagree Thank with you. you completely. All right. 
Well, I'm going to miss the disagreement. I'm going to be... All right. Dan, leave the bathroom door open so you can hear me. Hear what I say. So I'm going to call this a good, bad movie. But maybe that's because as someone with no sentimentality about Star Trek, I'm not being like, oh, my favorite characters, they're doing bad. It's not very good. The way that when the Star Wars prequels came out, I was like, seriously? Like, you're going to take, like, the richest, most delicious pudding and just, like, pee in it? Like, come on. But the... That with this, it, like so much Dan McCoy urine. <laughs> <laughs> After being ha- having held it for an hour or so, that I like. I like. This is a movie that I, I would love to watch with people. It's like I laughed my way through it. It's super cheap. It takes so long to beating around to get what to get to what it's going to do. And when it gets there, you're like, that was it. Like that's what you were doing. And it just has, like I was saying, it has that Star Trek cheapness that I find both. Now, when I was a kid. I just didn't like it, and that's why I didn't watch a lot of Star Trek. But now I find it very endearing, the same way that when I was a kid I hated the Three Stooges because it was so dumb and cheap-looking, and now that's exactly what I like about it. <laughs> not to say Star Trek is dumb. It's not. But that it's like uh, – there are a number of scenes where I was like, you know what? Good for you, Star Trek Five. You're trying to do something. It's not working, but like, look, you're not Star Wars, and you know it, but you're trying to do something. And the fact that – come on. You got Captain Kirk – Climbing Al Capitan, free form, free climbing. You got free solo. You got Spock with rocket shoes. Like you got God gets wrestled by a Vulcan and then blown yeah. up. What's not to like in this movie? They actually answered the question: Are Cybok's arms long enough to box with God? Yeah, he's the one guy. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah I think for me, it's also a good bad movie. Like. And I do have sentimentality about these characters and and love them, but I also like am. I'm fine with the idea. I mean, like as a Star Trek fan, you have to be fine with the idea that like a lot of the time there's going to be a bad thing that happens that is embarrassing and and weak. Uh, And, and I think that like, you know, some Star Wars fans are starting to understand that about the world. (laughs) Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, they should have started understanding that as soon as everyone started volunteering for that mission in Return of the Jedi. Yeah. Or I guess the moment in uh, some of the, some of the moments in the, in the Jabba's palace, like when Boba Fett gets knocked into a pit just by blind, Han Solo swinging a pole around. And it's like, all right, maybe that guy's not as cool as the last movie led me to believe. <laughs> that was a little a bit of a corny way to go out. Anyways, um, but yeah, like uh, I love that this movie really like swings for the fences. Shatner is a very egotistical man and puts himself way too much at the center of the story for something that really should be about Spock uh, and his brother. And I think that that, you know, as a director, like that's obviously like something that is tempting to do but uh, i think he maybe got a little distracted making himself look cool uh-huh. uh, but but i love the stuff about him and mccoy and spock and i think uh there are genuinely cool parts of this movie yeah uh despite how bad it is <laughs> i think it's good bad also i think there, I was surprised at how interesting compositionally the film was i don't think william shatner is a bad director I thought this this film was visually interesting throughout. Yeah. I really, there's like a line of dialogue in the very beginning that that I think embodies the feeling of the film best. And that's when they're uh, talking about row, row, row your boat. And and I think it's McCoy that says the words aren't important and it's important that you have a good time singing it. Mm -hmm. And like, this is that kind of Star Trek film. Like (laughs) the details aren't important. It's, was it fun to watch and experience? And I think it was. It's it's definitely a movie that, thinks it is about to get into a deep idea and doesn't yeah. but it's almost better off that it doesn't you yeah know? Stuart, what do you think you know i think i'm going to go back around to dan i'm going to say i think it's a bad bad Whoa! movie 
I I know we're gonna book in East Coast West Coast Star Trek Five feud. But I I think the biggest thing is that it it's because it doesn't feel like any like it doesn't feel like it has anywhere to go and it doesn't really go anywhere and it doesn't really do anything. Like the characters are exactly the same as when you first meet them and nobody changes. And especially when you're dealing with a story where Spock finds his long lost brother who then wrestles with God and gets blown up by him. It seems it feels like that should have been more emotional than it was. But then but then a three-breasted cat dancer gets drowned in a pool table. So that's pretty cool. I mean, it's pretty clear why the man who loved cat dancing loved cat dancing. She has three breasts. <laughs> now, the uh here's the thing. Paul Verhoeven did direct that scene. Stuart, I would say Spock doesn't feel a lot of emotions. So how is he going to have an emotional moment about killing his brother? Oh! oh. No, but you make a good point. <laughs> it's a pretty... It does feel like an episode Elliot of the tele- smoked a cigarette around the top of his head. <laughs> yeah. And then blew the smoke into DeForest Kelly's yeah. uniform. <laughs> it, is, it is a movie. It feels, like, it feels like an episode of a TV show. Yeah. Like, it never feels like a movie. Yeah. And uh, the, apocryphally, the story is that Stan Lee said to Jack Kirby, the Fantastic Four fights God, and he created Galactus and the Silver Surfer. Here they said Star Trek fights God, and they ended with uh, a, a weird video face shooting eye lasers at the characters. <laughs> They're both valid ways to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but I could see how this is equally iconic. <laughs> but it's uh, from I, I guess you know what it 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 matters what going into it you expect, as with any all things. Yeah. Well, I guess uh, I just have one question for everybody. Yeah. What's that, Ben? Did you guys find yourselves a drunk Shimoda? Incredible. Drunk oh, there's a bunch of okay. There's some possibilities. Yeah, I'm gonna say the cat dancer. She was awesome. <laughs> <That's what laughs> she took the say. initiative. <laughs> she wrapped her legs around uh, Captain Kirk's head, and then she went out like a champion. She also sounds like James Brown when she's on the attack. Did you hear that? <laughs> they actually use James Brown vocals really during Whoa. the attack scene. Oh, I didn't yeah. realize that. Wow, that's great. Uh, for me, I think it might. I mean, I, really, it's David Warner doing nothing. The whole movie. But there's something about uh, the the two other envoys, the Klingon envoy, who halfway through the movie, it's like he's like, oh, wait, I'm supposed to have a character arc? Hold on a second. And the Romulan envoy who thinks she's going to have a character arc and then disappears from the story. And I, I think I just I want to know what was going through those actors faces, heads through their faces. Pro, you know, food, probably at the craft services table. But the, what was going through their heads where the Klingon guy was like, another day in Klingon makeup, another paycheck. Wait, what? I didn't read the script. And the Romulan was like, any minute now, my character's going to have their big moment. Yeah, when I get the sides tomorrow, I'm sure it's going to happen. This is when I seduce a character there's something yeah. like weirdly they wouldn't be putting this crazy hook hair on me <laughs> <laughs> oh and speaking of crazy hair, I thought she was great in Wayne's World too though <laughs> the, and, and for me there's the there's the guy who you just see on a TV screen that plays in the bar in Paradise City who's just shilling Paradise City and he's got this crazy <laughs> Babylon 5 hair and he's just like we made Paradise City as close as possible to well paradise <laughs> and he's such a murray's wigs type character like mm-hmm. yeah. yeah paul verhoeven directed that stuff too by oh, the way. he had to have been but what about you guys uh my uh, klingon ambassador leapt out at me as the as the drunk shimoto because when the when the city is being attacked his first thing is to run into the bar and just <laughs> steal booze <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just like a klingon yeah fun i'm gonna choose cybok like i think it's strange and interesting that like the antagonist of the film 
you're never meant to hate. I never mm. hate him. And in fact, like I'm sort of on his side for a lot of the film. <laughs> if I it th- had worked out, yeah. aside from the stealing a spaceship, his plan would have been, I mean, he, he's a visionary. Yeah. He's de- he genuinely wants to help people with their pain. Yeah. Like he's he's he, a healer. He also sees <laughs> the ruse for what it is eventually. Like yeah. he's he is he goes into that fist fight with open eyes. Like oh, I got I got. Hoodwinked. He's heroic at the end. Yeah, and th- I think like seriously, the scene where he shows McCoy his pain, I think, is one of the best moments in any Star Trek film. I I really took that scene to heart. I thought it was great, and I thought uh, his performance in it was was really good. Uh, it is something funny about that. His his like share your pain with me is basically just like tell me the worst thing that ever happened <laughs> that you ever yeah. did or ever happened to you. And th- it's a very movie therapy thing where it's like you say it and then you're like oh, it's lifted from me. Like in any movie mm-hmm, where they're like yeah. they're like I can't get on with my life. Why can't you get on with life? Because my father hit me. Oh, oh I realize it now. Well now I I'm mean, fine. Thanks. I therapist. mean that's, that's it's actually the works. premise of the the Netflix series Maniac. <laughs> <laughs> It's like the exact same thing. I thought the premise was Netflix has a lot of money to spend on original programming. And I, I mean, it's kind of true. Like, I I like to tell people about the time I drank too much and shit my pants. And that way that nobody can use that story against me in some kind of blackmail sitch. Heard that story many times. Uh, Is Dan back? Can he tell us or is he still? No, I've I've just been sitting in silence. For me, it's Chekhov. Because he gets almost nothing to do at all. In this movie, uh, the most notable thing he does is when he and Sulu are uh, lost in Yosemite, he pretends to Uhura <laughs> that they're caught in a blizzard by blowing into the, the transmitter. Yeah, he's trying to hold his buddy down. You know? <laughs> yeah. It's also the scene that reveals that Walter Koenig has like Robin Williams style arm hair. <laughs> <laughs> He is makes, very furry. That makes sense. Eastern and European. I you know. also I also like when they 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 trick Cybok by having Chekhov be the captain, and then when they're like, well, later on when it's revealed, Cybok's like, "You're the captain. What about Captain Chekhov? Oh, oh, right. There's no way that guy would be the captain. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's a real tease against for Chekhov. Like Chekhov, you get to pretend to be the captain. But also, it's the thing I love about Star Trek is that there's so much about chain of command that anytime someone's not on the ship, someone else becomes captain. So eventually, Scotty's just sitting. In the chair and it's like okay you're the guy like what and like every every one of the the like the like privates is like i just have if enough people leave the ship yeah i get to sit in the captain's chair i'm like 84 in the, in the chain of succession it's like how postmaster general is the last member of the cabinet who gets right. to be president yeah. like it but everyone gets a chance if enough people go yeah so there's it's like how it, it always makes that chair. Is that seem, what Kiefer Sutherland was supposed to be? In the yeah, yeah. <laughs> Designated Survivor. Yeah, I think he's the Postmaster General. <laughs> and he's like, all I know is stamps, stamps, stamps. <laughs> and uh, the uh, there's, but it always devalues the chair to me when like Kirk leaves and someone else sits in it, and it's like, mm, like I'm, I want to think of it as like a throne. Yeah. But instead, it's just like the best chair in the house. And when Dad's not here, then one of the kids gets to sit in it. <laughs> It's got to really squicky out when you sit down in it and it's still warm. Yeah. The last guy. Gross. <laughs> Smells like Shatner. <laughs> I mean, delicious? Yeah. Wonderful? Manly? Yeah. Like whiskey and beans. <laughs> mm, I'm getting hungry. <laughs> yeah. I think we did it, guys. 
We overcame uh, the technical difficulties of being on two different coasts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I had a great time doing this with you guys. I didn't know if it would work having this many people on mic for a show. And it, it almost did. Yeah, it, it almost was okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, and so I guess now, now's the time when we should thank all the Max Fund donors. Absolutely. Who, who made this possible by donating. Thank you for supporting our shows. Thank you for supporting the network. Mm-hmm. Please keep doing that. If you want to listen to other Max Fund shows, go ahead, but listen to ours first, you know? Yeah. If you're listening to this and you haven't supported the show, then what the hell's your problem? Yeah. yeah. You're a criminal. <laughs> yeah. Come <laughs> yeah. on. Don't be uh, well, who's like a really bad Star Trek criminal? Like, who's mm. the Lex Luthor of Star Trek? Con? Oh, yeah. I guess yeah, Con yeah, Union. Yeah, don't be a con. Oh, yeah. don't even mention him. You'll get me started on uh, in the Star Trek movie. The, in the new ones where he's like, my name is Khan, and it's meaningless unless you've already know the character from other movies because <laughs> they've done nothing yeah, to yeah. set up that, that character. That, that's the yeah. Smurf happens of that movie. Oh, you gotta believe it. Oh, don't even get me started on Smurf happens. But thank you so much, everybody, for yeah. listening, and uh, thanks, guys, for sharing this movie and this experience with us. Yeah, yeah. we we uh, we, we uh, shared our pain with you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We said, show us, show me your pain, share me your pain, and it was Star Trek Five, and Cybok was like, no, 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 it's too much. What kind of a god would allow this? Uh, well, I'm I'm just such a big fan of uh, uh, the show you guys do, and I'm uh, it was. It was a real thrill for us to, to get to sit in with you guys. And, uh, Same here. Uh, so thanks to all the Max Fun donors for helping make that happen. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Bye. 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 Bye.